We're live. We're live. Mental Health Monday. Chase and Shep show. We got ourselves another guest with us today. We got Maurice Hayes with us today. How y'all doing? Good, good, man. How you doing? I'm blessed by the best. I can't complain, man. Good to be here. Thank y'all for allowing me to be on your show, man. I think it's pretty dope what you guys are doing. Thanks for being here. I I have consistently enjoyed working with you. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy you could be here. I'm glad to hear that, man. So, uh, yeah, Mental Health Monday, uh, starting the week, getting our minds right. Like we our minds are. right. <laughs> uh, so where do we, where do we even begin? Uh, cause you got, you got quite a story, Reese. Uh, yeah. and, and you're, you're the kind of person, you also have the kind of voice that when you speak, I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> so you just have that kind of, that kind of, that voice. Uh, and, music got a little loud there. Uh, you got a lot going on. So how about uh, how about you share your story with us? That's usually uh, what a lot of people here on Mental Health Monday have done. They've, they've come along, they've shared their stories. We find that that's, uh, you know, one of the, it helps, you know. That's the whole thing with Mental Health Monday is we're trying to start dialogues that people aren't having uh, and, and just trying to get these conversations started. You know, so yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And sharing our stories, we it helps. It helps to it does. It does. Well, I'm Maurice Hayes, as they as they mentioned before. Um, my story is kind of is 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 not unique, but it's kind of long. Um, I'm a poet. I'm an author. Um, I've written four books. Um, I'm a spoken word artist. I'm working on my album as we speak, or finishing up the album as we speak, but. Um, more than anything, I'm I'm an advocate for the youth. I guess uh, is it, a title that, if I had to put a title on it, um, I'm I currently work as a case manager through, in an organization called Youth Build, uh, which brings me a lot of joy. And I'm also the founder and executive director of an organization called HB Neighborhood Transformation. And one thing about HB Neighborhood Transformation is our objective is to cure some of the gun violence bring an end to a lot of the gun violence that's affecting our communities and that's taking away a lot of our young people. Um, that's one of my passions, simply because I come from that that era, right? Um, but most didn't know, and, I, and I, I used to be, I was incarcerated. I served a term of 17 and a half years in prison uh, for the crime of first degree murder. And it was there where we began HV Neighborhood Transformation. Um, and with the, with the, the thought to bring the things that we learned while we were in prison home um, and, and be those advocates in the world for the young people that's following behind us. And when I say us, um, the company was founded by myself and my brother, William Brown, um, KT Brown. It's actually his baby. Uh, I often say that uh, when I talk about HV, HV is William's baby. He created it uh, after we created Spit with a Purpose, which is the um, company that we started for to write books, we published four books and the spoken word part of it. Because again, like I mentioned, I'm a spoken word artist. And the spit stamp was social problem intellectually translated with the purpose. And that's what we're here for. Yeah. Uh, to speak to, to my experience with some of that with you, uh, I mean, I think my very first uh, exposure to you was your song. So that, yeah. that, that was my, my first exposure. I, I just remember 
playing that song. They they played that for me, and I just I turned around and I looked at him. I said, "That guy's getting ready to walk through the door right now." <laughs> I mean, I just I was blown away. It was it's a very powerful song, and uh, we'll actually uh, we'll play it for everybody uh, here at the end of the end of the show for everybody to hear. It's a great song, man. It, it well, thank great- you, bro. It's it's uh, a real song, and believe it or not, I wrote I wrote that piece. Um, in 1996, the original version of it, you know, as as time progressed, you know, I, I changed a few words in it to fit the time of now. But it's it's, it's ironic how relevant it is today, yeah. right? In in 1996, when we were going through what we were going through yeah. as youth, and we see it now evolved in some into something a, a little bit more different um, than we experienced. So. I'm glad you like the song, man, and, and I hope the people like the song. I think it's kind of interesting how we can gauge the times based off of off of art and how relevant it still is sometimes. Uh, yeah. Because uh, right now, something we're working on is is a, uh, a remake of a work from uh, 1968 or 1969, and and some of it, so much of it, is still so relevant today, and that's you know that's why we're working on that story. Uh, yeah, they, they often say time changes, but I, I, I think the, 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 the era changes rather than time because the same thing that's been going on for generations is still going on today. It just has different characters in it, right? Yeah. And and for me, it was seeing it from the inside out. I think I told you what this was before, Chase. I viewed it when I was in prison as a huddle, and I was on the outside of the huddle looking inside of the huddle. Give me one second, my dogs, bro. <laughs> the dogs Shit. always be doing that. They always be doing that. They're trying to they're trying to do all this stuff when I'm on here. Go in the case. But it was like looking outside of a huddle and, and I'm glad that this is called Mental Health Mondays. Um because you know everyone suffers through some kind of traumatic experience, right? Not everyone, but a lot of people do. And for me, what was therapeutic for me in a place where we really couldn't talk to anyone, where we really couldn't voice what was going on. And there was no counselors or anything that we could speak to about the things that we were going through. I found it therapeutic for me to write. And it, it was a gift that I never knew I had, honestly. Um, I didn't know I could write. I didn't know I was able to do that, but I was feeling so much, right? And I didn't know what to do with it. So I just started writing and created creatively things start to form and, I realized then that that was God's gift to me to deliver the messages that I deliver, uh, because I don't talk about. You heard my my some of my spoken word chasing. What I talk about are real things that's going on with real people and how us as a collective could do something to help change some of the things, bro. So it was therapeutic, and and mental health is a big issue. Yeah, with a lot of people, and and I'm not saying my trauma is greater than anyone's or theirs is greater than mine. I just found a different kind of way to not allow it to affect me uh, in in a bad way. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, that, everybody does deal with with different stuff. You know, uh, that that first time I I came to Youth Build when you and your brothers were talking about uh, yeah, yeah. You know, talking to the kids, and uh, you know, I was I was so glad my battery ran out at the end of that, and I could just sit back and be a spectator to all of that because. Uh, I was enthralled. I was like, I don't give a damn if these kids care about any of this. Like, I'm enthralled. I could listen to this. Right. Uh, y'all, every single one of you just have such a 
away with with talking. Uh, that's the you know it is it is captivating. Well, uh, we real talk is is you know I've. I've never been to prison, you know. I haven't experienced these these things, but you you guys were saying so much stuff that I re- it resonated with me. Uh, you know, going through my own uh, traumas and, and and things like that in, in my life. You know, it wasn't this stuff, but the things you were talking about, the 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 ways forward, uh, the ways to deal with these things. Uh, you know, the prison of your mind, all of all of this stuff. Uh, I mean, I was just like. Kids, listen up, because every single one of these men are speaking truth right now. Uh, you yeah. don't know it now, you you know, and, and that's something I've come to learn. You can sometimes you can tell kids things all day long, but it's not until they they live it that they they finally learn that lesson. Mm-hmm. But you know, we still try. You know, we still yeah. try. And uh, that's the other thing I wanted to say is watching you work with these kids um, has been amazing. Man, you you have a true love for these kids, man. No doubt. Uh, uh, that that day we were there, there was the kind of the uh, a back and forth that got going, and it kind of it kind of got heated up, and and you stepped out for a minute, but I I happened to have the camera rolling when you came back in, and and after you took a minute to cool off, you went over there and you hugged you hugged them, and you know you made sure it was all good, and 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 that alone, I thought was you know I was like damn, here's a guy who he gives a shit. This this yeah. guy really really cares. Um, and I love the way you guys let the kids be themselves. That's just, it's so rare and it, it feels weird to say that, but it feels so rare to see a classroom setting like that where kids get to be themselves. There's none of that. Hey, you know what? what don't say that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. No, that, you know, they're themselves. And, and I see that come out in the kids interacting with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you let them be themselves, you know, yeah. I, 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 I see how it all, it all works. And it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to be a part of. I definitely love being in that environment with you guys. Uh, cause you can feel that passion for sure. Well, yeah, it's, it's paramount that you allow individuals to be who they are. Right. So if you think about the young people that, that we, that we, that we nurture and that we care for, they're no different than we are. It's just that, us as elders or older people, we have this stereotype that we place on them, this this innate judgment that we have for these young people. And that in itself prevents us from being a, a, a actual effect in their lives. So for me, because in a lot of ways, and I say this often, I'm still 17 mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, literally because I've, I've, I've lived two lives that's 17. I went to prison at 17. I came home at 34, so I share those two. I mirror those same thoughts, right, as a grown-up and as a 17-year-old child. So when I speak to him, I speak with him with that, and it's true. It's trueness. I don't, I don't feel the need to sugarcoat anything because outside of the classroom, their life isn't fictitious. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, there's nothing um, phony about the way that they may be living and the things that some of these young people are going through. You have to imagine, man. In the small town of Champaign-Urbana, a lot of young people have lost their lives senselessly to gun violence. And then when you think about their friends and the young people that we encounter, they're filled with that trauma too. A lot of them are still hurt. A lot of them are still dealing with things from their childhood or still dealing with things with their parents or loved ones. So whenever they're in my presence, I want to be 
or I try to be what I wish someone was for me prior to me going to prison. Right? Because I met men and, and men raised me in prison, right? Along with a lot of my brothers, as, as, as you mentioned before. Um, the fortunate part about us going to jail, and there are many fortunate parts, right? There's there's one unfortunate reason why we went, right? And we will never be able to get that back. But the fortunate part about us going to prison where it gave us an opportunity to really grow up and be around men who taught us how to be men, right? All these young people, some of these young kids' fathers are my age. I'm 43. And some of these 43-year-old people are still in the street doing the same old stuff that they were doing. So when your child comes up and sees that, that is the only thing or only model that they have to follow, right? So for me, it would like give them something different to see. Right. That, that looks like them, that doesn't judge them, they can speak the languages them and, and grow them in the sense where when they get 43, they can be where I am. You know what I mean? So yeah, that, that's just, and it's genuine, like I say, because I wish someone would have did it for me and, and didn't put a label on me or uh, throw me to the wolves, right? Because all these young people, I believe wholeheartedly, have genius in them. It may not be the genius that you define, but there's right. greatness and genius in all of them. It just takes us to pull it out and bring it to them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I definitely feel that in the, in the short amount of time I've, I've been around some of these kids. Uh, a lot of them are, are very smart kids. And, Hell yeah. Uh, you know, they, I, I, think, I think they're in good hands with you, you know. Well, I, I hope so. I hope, I hope so. You know, I, and I, I don't have the answers to everything, mm -hmm. but I have enough time to devote to them and give them something. Um, that they maybe can use or help them use at a later date when they when they're ready. Yeah. And and you can tell it is it is genuine. It is a genuine thing because I've I've kind of been preaching to the boys lately about about being genuine with with our art and and our creativity and you know the more genuine you are that people are going to notice that and people mm -hmm. are going to gravitate towards that they're going to feel that passion they're going to feel that that you know the genuineness of of the situation uh and they're going to gravitate towards that yeah, yeah. Well, been real quiet i've just been taking it all in listening over here man uh no i think it's really cool i i did some stuff with kids for a little bit uh like talking online uh in like random group like uh chat rooms and because the with them being you know kind of anonymous, I felt like the kids would be more open to talk about uh, you know problems and shit that they were facing. And the one thing I found out that like a lot of them, uh, when they found out that like oh you're an older dude, uh, I think I was like just hitting my thirties then. Um, they're like, what does it matter these problems I have to somebody like you? They're you know they're just you know like nothing problems. And I'm like that doesn't negate that you are going through an issue or you're having your own problem right now, my dude, you know, mm -hmm. like just because your problem might be that some girl didn't text you back or, you know, pass a note back mm -hmm. or you haven't had your first girlfriend or kiss yet or something. I was like, that doesn't may make that stress or anxiety any different than the anxiety I feel when I have a bill that I'm not, you know, getting paid mm -hmm. or anything. You know, it's like, it's just a different type of uh, problem. It's yeah. like, you know, and we can all sit there and listen to one another and talk 
and and figure out a lot of this shit that I feel like is an issue. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think it it just takes that though, Shep. I think it's um, people taking time just to sit down and see things from a different lens. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think um, for the most part, even in the way that we're reared or the way that we grow, we grow with a certain lens on our face already. Oh, right, yeah. and and that lens can actually blind us um, to a lot of the realisms and truisms that really take place around here, and that that's part of one of like being being, being optimistic about everything and, and and being able to see another person's side or where they're coming from, or all those things will enable us to get closer to, I guess, those that we're trying to reach. Uh, trust is a a, gra- a grand issue, man. You know, oh, yeah. you know, you have, you have you have a lot of people that don't trust the the, the parents that birthed them. You understand? So, uh, to be able to to find some kind of way to gain their trust, and <clears throat> it opens up their ears and their hearts and their minds to the things that you want to see. And and for me, it, it's really just a matter of growing kids. And I, I often get the question like, why I don't concentrate on adults more more, or why don't I try to do the same thing with people 25, 26, and 27. Right. For me, I, I think like if, if your ass is 26 and you still doing the same shit you did when you was 13 and 14, then you're going to have to bump your head some kind of way for you to get it. But when I think about these right. kids, right, when I think about these kids, they're actually going to be the next parents. Mm-hmm. They're going to birth kids in a whole other generation and they can break the cycle. Our generation now, the kids, the generation of kids that we have now are in a great position to change the entire dynamic of this country, especially the way that they live, right? They're mm-hmm. in that position, but if no one gives them the lessons that they need to actually make that change, then they'll be they'll be repeating the same thing that we've seen for generations and generations. So my, my thing is I want before you have a kid, I want to raise you to be a great father. Yeah. Right? And in order yeah. for you to be a great father, you have to be a great man. You have to have some kind of moral discipline about yourself, have integrity, have a willpower, have some kind of self-esteem about who you are and define yourself. That way, when you have your young man or your young woman, you can show both of them what men look like, what a man look like. And for the young women, the same thing. Like some young women, they, they're infatuated by what we see now on TV, especially in my communities. Mm-hmm. They see the love and hip hops and you know the, the radio continues to speak about misogyny and now the young women are talking about how they pussy is and excuse my language, but I don't want my granddaughter to grow up thinking that that's what the lick read. Mm-hmm. I don't want my granddaughter to think mm-hmm. that you gotta go twerking outside and you got to have these flamingos on your face to be somebody. I want you to know that you are great even without that. And I teach you how to be a woman and give you the keys to be a woman. That way you won't allow one of these goofball ass young dudes to trick you off. Right? So you, you think yeah. about and I'm, I'm I'm a street cat. I'm not a I didn't go to college. I didn't I went to college in prison, but I grew up in the streets. I was a misogynist too. Right? I, I've 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 misused people's daughters and did all those things, right? I I, I left two women in the world pregnant at teenagers and and went to prison. So I've seen from my own lens what the effects of that can be. Mm-hmm. And I see yeah. so many so many more fathers 
<clears throat> are still in the position that I was in. They, they're going to jail left and right. So who going to raise the babies? Who going to raise the next section of adults, right? I'm a real grandparent. I'm a traditional grandparent. I'm a grandparent like my grandmama was, like when, when I do see my granddaughter there around. But I don't, I don't sugarcoat nothing. Like I want you to ride ice cream, granddaddy this. I love all that. But it's time to teach you those lessons of life. I'm stern in that, and I believe in that because I don't want. If I die tomorrow, who's going to take care of my baby? Right. If I'm not here tomorrow, who's to say somebody ain't going to try to touch on my baby? Right. These are the important things of of a man, and I try to get these young men that idea. That's really good, man. Yeah, it's necessary though, bro. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Like, uh, my son's about to be 14. So, I mean, yeah. these are like the lessons that I'm trying to uh, instill in him as well right now at yeah. his age because uh, they're growing up fast, man. Like, 14, yeah. I wasn't, I didn't give a shit about anything, but, <laughs> you know, like watching some wrestling and playing football and shit like that. But, like, he's, you know, got his little girlfriend and just got caught at school with condoms and stuff. So it's like, shit, <laughs> all right. It's like you're getting to that point, you know? So, like, you got that choice. You, you know, I, I, I've i never been one of those parents that I'm going to go blow off at the handle and, and just pipe off and yell and be like, you know, man, you're disappointing me and all this stuff. I just, you know, I, I started talking, you know, obviously we got to have that long conversation about uh, what could happen doing all that stuff. But it was like, you know, I all I told him at the end of the day was like, Listen, if you got you got caught with condoms, at least if you're already to that part in life that that's what you're trying to get at and do, you're being safe about it, you know. Right, right. And that's like, that's a that's a commending thing. Like clap for that, right? And, and yeah. salute for it. And then the lessons to come. Don't bring no goddamn babies in here. <laughs> yep. Like <laughs> that's exactly then, what it was. Yeah, and, and not only that, but I, I like to, you know, because sex is one thing, but showing a young man how to treat a young woman is a different, yeah. right? Yeah. Showing mm -hmm. them how to how to really be a gentleman. Like I think it, even in 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 my community in in the world in general now, being a gentleman is like being a pussy, right? And that that makes no sense to me. Like, what kind of lesson are we teaching? If and part of my language again, if if I'm teaching my son that it's cool to call his mama a bitch, like this is my bitch right here, mm -hmm. right? And even with the right. young ladies, they addressing themselves as that. And people may say there's just words, as language, but no, that carries something, right? That's yeah. that's that, that that's putting yourself in the category of being less than a woman because a bitch ain't no woman, right? Right, and a right. goon and a, and, a, and a savage, all that shit don't equate to manhood neither. Mm -hmm. You understand? But it's it's like these are the languages of our generation now. And, and for me, I see a lot of older people and people that will shy away from that. They'll rather criticize it and judge it and throw the babies off to the side rather than take time to try to educate them on it. Because again, generations have, we've kind of detoured from the place where we grew up at, right? The, the stuff that we grew from grandmama and mama and all those things. And we into a whole different kind of space now, right? It's about a, learning the space, adapting to the space, and then 
you know, giving the lessons to the babies that will occupy the space when I'm gone. Right. Right. I navigated yeah. my 43 years, right, with the lessons from my granny now. But now it's time for me to give them some lessons to navigate their next 43 years and hopefully make a difference yeah. and make a change in, in, in the way that especially my high hope areas are are being considered. You think about the gun violence, bro, and I often speak about that, Chase. Like that's that should break my heart. When we salute, we like in, in my community, we praise the motherfucker that's killing somebody. Yeah. Like we give that motherfucker all the glory in the world. Like we salute and the young women chase after these motherfuckers that's killing people. And for me, that's like the wrong thing. And then when you listen to some of the hardest artists in the world, these they talking about they killing people too. Uh-huh. And they selling millions and millions of records, showing money and jewelry and flashing. That's enticing to a person who's not mentally able to see that this motherfucker here lying. He ain't doing all this shit. But it make us, those of us in these areas, chase that look. And it make the young women in our communities chase that dude, right? And it, it's if we if we doing that, what are we giving to the two year old, three year old babies that we? That we are birthing and raising. Mm-hmm. Right. There's no dreaming no more, right? That's why I said in the piece that in the filmy piece, I say these hip hop fairy tales have stopped us from dreaming. We don't think about being anything else more in our community but rappers. Yeah. Right? We want to be a rapper. We want to be a, a video girl. We want to be like we need fucking city councilmen. We need police. We need teachers. We need we need politicians. We need people that's really gonna take account for our neighborhood. And a lot yeah. of people don't think like that. And, and they wonder why, why so many things are going so wrong in our communities. Because we're thinking about the wrong shit. Mm-hmm. And we're not putting the right effort into the right shit. Like when becoming a parent become bad. Like if, if you if you laid your ass down and you had a baby. And at that moment, and and I failed in my attempt, but this one I thought when I was a boy. Mm-hmm. If you lay down and have a baby, at that moment, your life is not about you no more. Mm-hmm. Right. So now your job is to figure out how to make sure this baby that you just brought into this world, how to make their life better than yours was. And I think we've lost sight of that. We regurgitate the same thing every generation. And again, I was in prison for 17 years. So I watched it. Right. Yeah. I watched it. I watched the community go from, even though I sold drugs and, and, and did all this stuff in my neighborhood, where we picked up trash, we shoveled snow, we didn't cuss when the adults was there. When mama come, we go hide. Literally, I had a, I had a drug spot when I was a kid. And we used to close down when school let out. So when the kids were getting out of school, nobody on the block. Now we it was still the dumbest shit in the world, but just that act that that that, that the older guys had us do, that was right. something. Like we couldn't hustle if we didn't go to school. Like we was in impoverished neighborhoods and drug dealing was part of it. But the older guys, if you ain't go to school, you're not standing out here. You come out here with school over with. We don't have that no more. We we got motherfuckers encouraging kids to drop out of school. What kind of dumbass? Right. Yeah. That's that's the that's one thing I, I always worked on with my son because he's had his little problems with school. 
And it's like, man, you know, to me, I always know that that's the moment. Like as a parent, I had to step in and catch it because it's like I know something's going on in life with you right now, and that's what's mm-hmm. you know catching your focus away from doing this homework and, and getting and you know just working with them. You know, like for me, it was it was about that. But yeah, man, I can't. You know, I would ne- I could never imagine somebody encouraging a kid, you know, to want to drop out. Yeah. Like that shows that we've really just went what right off the course. Yeah, we, we, we flow so much, of course. Um, but it is, I mean, it's, it's not too far gone, right? It just no, takes, no. it just takes, it takes us that know better, right? To, yeah. to, to, to show better. And, mm-hmm. and, and for me and, and for a lot of people that I associate with, I think that's, that's just our purpose of being here, right? Oh, yeah. It may sound corny as hell or cliche, but it, you know, I walk it. I walk my. I walk my living. Right. Yeah. I am who I say I am. That's just it. Most most things are. If it's a cliche, it's probably a cliche for a reason. Probably because it's true. Yeah. Uh, the thing, you know, when I when I grew up, my parents they were hard asses. I mean, they they definitely they cracked down on me. I I had uh, lunch with my my baby sister earlier. She just turned eighteen last week. Mm. Uh, and we went out for lunch earlier. We were, we were talking about how all, all, all three of us, I got two little sisters, all three of us, uh, you know, we really didn't do nothing. You know, we were all good kids. Uh, even mentally in my head, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to have sex or nothing until I'm 18 years old. That was just a thing. Mm. I decided on my own. But it all came down to we were scared shitless, and mom and dad, you know. <laughs> they, had a, they had it down to where it's like, you know, we – we can roll that dice, you know, we can, we can be like, maybe they won't find out, but mom, you know, she always finds out. She's yeah, that's real. She know everything. To this day, she still, she, she still knows she, I can't play her. I try. I yeah. try. I'm like, I'm fine. She's like, you're not fine. I know you're not fine. Cause I'm your mom. I see right through that shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, you know, in them being hard asses, we didn't always, you know, get along real well. Uh, and it was actually interesting. I went and visited a friend last year and I didn't realize just how recently uh, we had that bad relationship because uh, he reminded me. He was just like, yeah, man, like the way, you know, your parents were, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, what? You know, they sound so strange to me. Right. Changed. Uh, and, you know, we butted heads a lot. And that was just a, a situation of, you know, and where I'm going with this is, is that message of understanding. You know, uh, it's easy to, you know, because as, as you're saying, kind of that counter to it's our job to teach these kids. Well, sometimes you're going to get those kids who are like, you know what? Fuck you for raising me this way. Like, I'm mad. Mm-hmm. At you. you're, you're too hard on me. You're this, you're that. Mm-hmm. And so, again, my message to these kids is uh, take a step back and and see it from your parents' perspective as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, sometimes that's, again, that's one of those things that you, you, you don't acquire till later in life. Yeah, and and it's one of those things that I, I think we all have those moments where it's just like, damn, I gotta I gotta call my mom and tell her she was right. <laughs> you know, I've been t- I've been trying to be Mister Big Man all these years. Like, yeah, you're right. You know, again, again. Uh, but having that understanding, you know, being able to back up and look at certain things, and and being able to be more sure in myself, uh, I, I was able to to kind of confront them about more things and I don't know I think there's something to be said when we hit this kind of equal balance recently where I I started to see things from their level and they met me at mine 
as well. And that's I see a lot of that at Youth Build. Yeah. Where you meet each other on one another's level. And I feel like that's where the greatest communication takes place. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father and I just started to kind of get to that point. Uh, we almost had that cliche father-son relationship. We didn't talk a whole lot. And it's funny because we're two very different men. Uh, and and I see us both as, as men. You know, he, he raised me to be a man. And, uh, you know, but he's the gruff, like, I don't share my feelings type and stuff. And I'm like, I'll, I'll cry. I'll share. I'll, shit, I'll feel my feelings. I, I don't mind. Uh, you know, I'm sure of myself in that way. Uh, and it's just interesting to see that yeah. shift, you know, sometimes. And, and being able to understand him so much better now, we don't fight any, so much anymore. And, and, and not too long ago, it's, it's, it's a matter of communication. Because he said something to me not too long ago. It was like one sentence. And all of a sudden, you know, about 10, 15 years of, of bullshit between he and I made total sense to me. Why mm. was it so hard about this one thing? Well, he says one sentence about his life to me. And all of a sudden, all of this makes sense. It makes sense. You know? And it's just like, how often do we try to get to know the other person's side? You know, yeah. how often can we take a moment to step back from our own frustration and do that, have a conversation and to see yeah. it from the other side and agree to disagree sometimes. And yeah. we'll have a hard time with that for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, again, even, even if you feel like your parents are a little hard on you, even if you feel like, you know, you hate them, but like at least try, yeah. try your best to see it from, from their angle. Uh, because you might be able to find that common ground. Yeah. And I don't get the lesson out of it because for me, I, I didn't I didn't have parents really. Like my mom died when I was eight. I didn't really get to know my dad until I was incarcerated. Though he was around, you know, he was a, one of the birthday dads, Christmas dads. You know, he was around, but I really didn't get to know him as a man until I went to prison. And I learned so much from him in that short time, just from having regular conversations on the phone with him, growing him, learning who he is, and. And, and he gave me so much. Even now, when he went like the, the nurturing aspect of it, and I, I talk about it in my books, it's like it's still a hole there from that part missing, right? The mother and the father both plays a role in the molding of the child, right? Mm-hmm. Mom gives you that nurturing understanding. I know you. You come from me, literally. Literally, you come out of my flesh and my body, so I know a little bit more about you. And that man gives you that as a for a young man the ideal of what a man looks like. And I, I didn't have those things, but I found them in, in, in the guys in the jail, right? Because I was, I was so young, I was, I was a kid. And you got to imagine, you know, it was it's guys that was there who had been there 20, 30 years already before I got there, right? And, and, and I, I think a lot of that's been missing for a long time. And I think the rebellion that kids get give now to the parents, it stems from too many things being afforded to them too young, if that makes sense. So there's a there's a sense of freedom. Like if you look, I have nieces and nephews now, they have a sense of freedom at three, four years old. Right? So and, and then you have these kids that's growing up with this sense of freedom at three and four years old. They get to a point where they just start talking crazy to the parents and doing all, and none of it is checked. 
I think what's good about having stern parents is they're going to check the wrongness. Even if you think you're right, your parents been here a long time before you got your ass here. <laughs> and at the end of the day, they're never going to tell you anything that's wrong for you. Right. I think that's the lack of understanding that we're not really revealing to a lot of our youth. It's like your mom ain't going to tell you nothing that, that's wrong. What make you think she would? Right? Your dad's not going to tell you nothing that's wrong. What make you think she would? And we lost that because, again, like you were saying, like that even playing field, you got 16-year-old kids thinking now that they are the same level as their parents. Mm -hmm. fuck, you don't pay no bill. You don't pay that phone bill. You don't buy no shoes. But you say it is it's that equal playing field. I, I was going to say about that earlier is that there's this sense of like because there's always that you don't want to be friends with your kid necessarily. You're you're you're, you're their parent, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but our that's what it still feels like. Like I I'm at a point now where I feel like I can talk to my mother about anything. You know, just yeah, like I think there's a level of both. Though, she is my mother. You know what I mean? At yeah. the end of the day, she right. is my mother. He is my father. I mean, at the end of the day, it feels like we are our buddies. At the end of the day, there's still that that there, right. and yeah. I don't feel like I could. I look at my my youngest sister's generation, uh, who you know she she got that cell phone way before my other sister and I did. Right, right, right. We look at the difference between us and her, and the and the way that we were raised. Uh, mm -hmm. I was I had I had my little handheld Game Boy, and if, if we were at the table, you put that shit away. You know, you Absolutely. don't have that out. You know, uh, now uh, you know kids have phones, tablets. I got a couple of cousins that you you walk in the door and they just they're hooked on it. I mean, they they won't even look at you. Yeah, they don't even acknowledge you. They and they yeah, that's real. So for me, I'm I'm I think for that reason is is why I'm not big on that. I know for me, when I do have kids. That uh, I, I I said they're gonna want that PlayStation Five. They're gonna get a Sega. They're gonna get a Nintendo sixty four. Right. You know, yeah, yeah, or some blocks. They're, you know, they're, they're getting, they get nothing with Wi Fi. The outside world, because I don't do social media and stuff like that mm -hmm. as an adult. Because you know, I think I've been off for about three years now. And, uh, you know, world's a quiet place without it, man. You know, I, I see these people who are so upset about things, who, who get on each other's cases and, yeah. and wound up about shit that I, you know, I say, I don't care, man. Yeah. I, and you know what? I, I wouldn't, even if I was on Facebook, I wouldn't care, but it's there. It's there. Now all of a sudden it's bothering me. And uh, I'm not on any of this. I don't see any of it. And it's like, everybody's like, well, well how will you, how will you? up to date on things how will you stay in touch with people I've learned, even if you're on social media you know a lot of people feel more lonely sometimes because of social media because you see, you see all these friends of yours but hey why why ain't nobody talking to me you know i got off social media and certain people you know if that's just how they talk to me they got my phone number you know what i mean but they never hit me up they never think to hit me up if i'm not right there in front of them uh, you know, I'm still hitting people up going, hey, you know, happy birthday. Hey, you know, here, there. And it showed me who those people are in my life who are active members of, of my life, you know, right. whereas uh, social media makes that kind of hard to determine. It can kind of bum you out in, in yeah. some ways. And so I think that's a dumb argument when people are like, how are you going to keep in touch with people? 
If I'm meant to stay in touch with this person, I will. If I'm meant to learn some information, I will. Everything that's happening in the world when people are like, you don't watch the news, you don't have this app, you don't have this, you don't have that. Nah, man. And everything that's happened in this world has come to me. I hear it. I hear it. Because the rest of the world is plugged in. All I got to do is, you know, tap somebody on the shoulder. Yo, what's going on? Yeah. Just now. Just now. Before we started the show, you informed me of the, the Colorado shooting. Yeah, I probably would have found out later on YouTube, but you know, I found out. Yeah. Hey, did you see the question that came in over YouTube? Yeah, we did get a question for you, Maurice. I, I I don't know if you. I feel like you may have kind of answered it a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Well, I, I didn't see what it say. Go ahead. Uh, it's from uh, Sharky Malarkey. <laughs> oh, it's, I see all this stuff now. I didn't see this before. Yeah, it says, "What do you personally think is behind the steady shift away from value?" valuing parenting that you were touching on earlier uh it's a lot of things bro this 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 and i saw this from inside the prison um i used to see this this thing uh on what, they, what is it world stop or myspace or some shit where kids would be on their video recording themselves disrespecting their parents like fighting their parents and, and this was I've been home now nine years. So this this was taking place way before I came home. And when I saw it, I was shocked by it. I was like, damn, this is how motherfuckers getting famous now. Video came going slapping their mama. Shit like but when I came home and I saw the way their parents coddled their kids. So and I only can speak for those that I was around, right? And in 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 where I was at. It's like, again, like I said before, it's like they give the kids too much power early. So kids don't know how to be kids now. So when I was young, if, if adults were around, it's grown folks talking, go in the room. Now you got little two-year-old babies saying bitch and hoe and, and the parents are encouraging it. Mm-hmm. So if, if this baby is three years old and this baby can call you a bitch, when the baby get old enough to stand next to you, the next thing they're going to do is try to fight you. It's reared that way. Well, you, you have parents that are afraid of their kids. Yeah. And, it, and it's constant, right? And another thing is, I think people stop whipping the shit out their kids, whipping their ass. I believe in that. And and now they got the, they can call the police and say you uh, bruised them. They like they'll call DCFS and threaten you with all that type of stuff that you bruised them. And that kind of like sin, that that gives children the wrong idea. Like if I have no one to answer to, even today in the in the era where they're doing all this shooting and stuff, and I, I said one thing about this is, if my mama tell me that it's okay, there's nothing you can tell me. So if if you see little kids disrespecting, yelling, punching, spitting on their mama, and she's not doing nothing, how you gonna treat me is? Whoosh. Right? Nice. And, and and this is this has been going on for years, bro. It's it's weird to me. I don't understand it. In, in my community, I say like in the age when we we lost parents, right? The crack era, right? I'm from mm-hmm. the, I'm from the high hope areas. The crack era kind of stole our parents away from us, a lot of us, with the drug addictions, with prison, um, and and, and what compounded it for us and I and our neighborhoods is teenage pregnancy. 
Mm-hmm. It compound the nineties was filled with that. The eighties and the nineties was the crack era, teenage pregnancy, and the flux to prison. So then you got really 13-year-old, 14, 15, 16-year-old girls trying to raise children. They still kids they damn self. Yep. The mom getting high, there's no support system for them. So instead of the kid growing up in some kind of disciplined structure, the child grows up as mom's friend. Mm-hmm. And if mom have another baby, the child grows up as the child's babysitter. If the mom have another baby, now that older child is watching every kid in the house, which makes them lose not not only total respect for the parent, but the parent hasn't given them an image or ideal of what to look towards. You have little girls that's been raising kids since they was nine years old. Right. You got little boys that's been the man in their house since they were seven, coming and going, cussing, spitting like they want to. And the parents feel, I don't know why they feel like this, but I guess they feel like they're hopeless. They're helpless. They can't do nothing to control the kid. I don't I don't agree with that, right? I I I I, I do believe that as parents, sometimes parenting has to be the most important job. Mm-hmm. Right? Like and I know a lot of single moms work, they have to pay the bills, they have to provide for the kids. So I understand that a lot of my are hurting our body self and it's rough out there. I understand and I truly do. But what do you lose in place of <clears throat> what do you lose in, in place of the pursuit of a career or job or money, right? You gotta look at what you're losing. Mm-hmm. Right. And a lot of it is based on lifestyle. A lot of people try to live above their means. They're trying to make sure like some of these kids, like even you see all these kids that all of them got on Jordans. They got Air Force Ones. They got the, the slickest clothes on, the, the, the flies gear. They got their hair done up. They got all this stuff going on. But they can't read or write. Right. Right? They, they can't read. They can't readily accept responsibility. They can't do a chore. Like I used to own Firehouse Subs on Prospect and Anthony Drive. And I literally hire kids that didn't know how to use a broom, bro. <laughs> like they really didn't know how to sweep. Right. Yeah, that's crazy like, to even think of. Now that you mentioned that, I, uh, that's where I've seen you from. Firehouse? Yeah. I only yeah, went, I only went a couple of times, but those were some damn good subs, man. Yeah, I, you, I, I yeah, was upset when that, when that closed down, bro. Yeah, man. It, it was... It, that place was driving me out of my mind. <laughs> that place was driving me crazy, bro. I, that place was driving me nuts. Oh, yeah. I, I, I haven't doing, and this to be honest, this is about Firehouse. Me owning that was really, literally the the worst time in my life. Yeah, man, it was. It, I was so miserable. I was so, bro. It, it kind of took me from me, literally. Right, I was. I. And it was great to, and I don't want to discourage people owning businesses and starting trying to do something. Mm-hmm. But for me, I think my lifeline is my passion. And being stuck in the restaurant, I wasn't able to I wasn't able to do the things that I'm doing now. Right? I could hire kids. Like one of the reasons why I, I, I lost a lot of money in that place is because I would try to hire everybody who needed a job and use that place as a place where I could try to learn them and give them some of these life lessons that I wanted to give. 
but it was costing me money and all that stuff to do that. And a lot of times you be just become a paycheck for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's like, how can I get back out here to the people that really need me? And I do it for free. Like nobody funded my company when I started. Nobody helped fund none of the stuff we did all last summer. Nobody did. Nobody gave no money, no politicians, no people down here in this area. They was really mad at me because I did it because they told me not to do it. But I said, if I'm spending my own money, I do what the fuck I want to do. Exactly. Yeah. Right. When I was out there, these little brothers were getting killed, and these guns kept going off, and I was out there marching with my team. None of these politicians, none of these people was out there with me doing that. None of them was out there saying, "Stop, put the guns down." None of them was doing none of that shit. So don't tell me what the fuck to do. I'm gonna do it because I know that's what needs to be done. So the restaurant, it was part of it. I got to get the fuck away from this place before it kill me. And I need to go back out here in the streets where I'm supposed to be at and try to save some of these kids. Right? That's 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 what my purpose, my lifeline is my purpose, like I said, bro. And yeah. I understand that it's rough for some parents, and I understand that some kids will listen to a stranger before they listen to their mama. So I'm gonna be your surrogate daddy or your uncle or your big brother <laughs> or whatever the fuck you want me to be. It. But I'm gonna give you the, I'm gonna give you the real stuff. Yeah, and I'm going to be here for you in real life. Like, not just no words. And I know a lot of these motherfucking poverty pimps. See, I'm getting upset now because I'm talking. <laughs> yeah. Get passionate. Yeah, a lot I of these it. poverty pimps will use our kids and yeah, misuse them and lie to them and steer them wrong. And that also causes them to lose hope. Yeah. When they got somebody that they saying that you're going to help me and then you don't do nothing that you said you're going to do for me, what am I going to listen to you for? Right, so mm -hmm. I see too much of that going on. I see too many people taking advantage of our babies. I ain't up with none of that, and they know it. They know my. I ain't up with none of it. So if I if I can't get you to do it, what's the next best thing? Get out there and do it myself. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. There you get go. Get out there and do it myself. So that's what I do. Me All and right. my team. It's not just me though. I I keep saying me because I'm the only one here. But right. You know, I, I have a team of people. My brother is the, the wheel that keep this machine rolling. Um, and we have a team of people, Tati, uh, Jazzy, Kevin, Angie, uh, Willie Ann. You know, we got a squad of people that's dedicated just as we are. And and, and we we want, we finna do it all over again. Like nothing stops. We finna open up our new office space in the next couple of weeks. We preparing ourselves for the 4040 again. So what we do during the summer is called 40 Days of Peace and Community Building. And we go through every High Hope area in Champaign, Urbana, and we throw community celebrations. We go out there have like, like big block parties at every park throughout the city. And all we're asking is, man, put the guns down. Let's have fun during the summer. Let the kids. One thing that broke my heart last year. As, as, as we were out there doing the things we're doing. And some other community guys, you know, they started bringing some of the kids to Beardsley Park and playing basketball and feeding them and doing all these great things. And one thing I thought about was that, man, it's very rare that a kid get to have a summer. How many times have you seen recently kids just outside riding their bicycles, playing double dutch or whatever, street football or whatever it is that the kids do? How, how many times have we seen that shit interrupted through gang violence? That robs these little babies of childhoods. Who are we right. to do that, to, to take their childhood from them? So my job is 
to stop that dumb shit and let these kids grow up and even some of these young men, let them grow up to be fathers that's going to change the dynamic of what our communities look like. Let these young women grow up to be nurturing mothers and school teachers and lawyers and Kamala Harris's and shit like that, right? We, we got to start letting our children grow to be these great people that they're destined to be. But we can't if we're still in all their childhood killing them and shit, yo. Mm-hmm. I, I I feel like now now I've got like fifty different things that I feel like I could run off of with you, but now our time's coming to a close. So, oh, that is true. <laughs> hey, bro, I enjoyed it, man. Thank you guys so much, bro. I appreciate it. Oh, no nice problem, man. Step. I, I, this it was, was great so meeting cool. you. Before before you take off, uh, tell us a little bit about Feel Me. Oh, okay. So this is where Feel Me came from. Uh, I was still in prison, and that's when the young cat was coming in. And one of the things that they always said every time they talk was, you feel me? You feel me? You feel me, Joe? You feel me? And I'd be like, hell no. What the fuck you talking about? <laughs> I don't feel you, bro. I don't know what you're talking about. So one day I was I was in the cell, and I guess the pen just did what it did. And, and that's why the line, when I first started off, I said, I think it's time that words meant something. Because one thing that we hear through music, through conversation, we hear words consistently, but if the words don't mean nothing, nothing is being given, no lessons is being learned, nothing is being taught. So now I think it's time that words meant something. We need to utilize our words for the right thing and not the wrong thing. So that's what feel me come from. Well, like I said before, it's a fantastic song, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna play it for everybody here. Have everybody. Uh, so that's that's it for us for the Chase and Shep show, Mental Health Monday. Mental Health Monday. Maurice, Maurice thank you. Hey so, man, thank you guys so much, bro. I really appreciate y'all. Thank you. No problem, man. <laughs> meant something so i'm not gonna spit for the sake of spitting i'm a spitting attempt to take something see i've noticed that my past gems haven't touched them and these visual effects have no effect so now i punch them and get them on the defensive true my thoughts are pensive but you understand how can you not comprehend the majority of the land's men reside in the pen we are 12% of America's population, but 50% of America's incarceration and those that are not living in isolation choose mental incarceration over mental elevation, which robs our youth. Our troops are the mental stimulation need to overcome these dire situations and society stereotypes and misleading. Hip-hop fairy tales have stopped us from dreaming. These whip-ass clowns glorifying the grime when it's your dime from your grind that pays for they shine. Those who've never seen the lock, they brag about doing time And if time truly reveals the truth, then time revealed the hip-hop story to the line to you Trust me, ain't nothing sweet about the block These gangsters that say they gangsters ain't gangsters Cause a gangster would tell you ain't shit gangster about being a gangster about being a gangster would tell you ain't shit gangster about being a gangster about being a gangster 
gangsta will tell you, ain't shit gangsta will tell you, tell you, tell you. Gangsta will tell you, ain't shit gangsta will tell you. A gangsta will tell that it was poverty that was starving me. I wasn't robbing thieves, I was taking from you. Enslaving my people, not reparations is doing. Since I'm guilty of it too, here's my 40 acres in the mule, but who the fuck do I pay my debt to? And I spit so loud so you man can hear my plea. It's just a goddamn saying that most y'all don't even feel. But class has talked to those in attendance and crowd pleasers and non-believers will pretend like they didn't hear this. This verbal communication, communicating community concerns and though that clock turns, that ticking that top reveals more quick and the cock that causes more pistols to bop and more bodies to drop. And if the clock was to stop and unity was to stay there, more of my people would be alive and a lot of us wouldn't be in those dismal crypts today. That they're closing more schools and building more prisons They're sending more of our children to more of their prisons And they say to hear it recidivism 85 and 100% would free the city of them If they close the schools, they can doctor the dropout rate Violating our community, but we can't scream rape hell We've been hobbing our statutory stories for years And since we're not man enough to sue mud their tears Then why in the fuck we expect Trump to comfort our children's fears? That's our job but instead, we sit back and allow our babies to fall hard while we rep hard for the mob. It take men to bend conduit. These sisters are tired. Where's the relief? In the barriers or in the money orders? But you motherfuckers still don't feel me. And if I could speak, we could be honest. I would tell you that hard time is what the game promised me. Those street fame and company reach. Great pain set that trail ablaze. And when I got blazed with what the judge gave, I learned to abandon the blame game. When I looked in the mirror and the reflection looked back, there was no white man holding me back. There was no white man fingerprints on the trigger them gas, but since I've been in jail, my brain's gotten fat. Now I breathe and rep for real with the hood on my back. No longer take it from his time that the boy give back. To raise black royalty with the jewels that this journey lit me in. Yes, I am the epitome of a black man in transition. I spit with a purpose and hood vote is my mission and for the record, misogyny no longer follows me. I recognize the essence of a queen. But until all my kings share the same dream, ain't no one in hell y'all ever be feeling me.